My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to feel good. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end, where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone even remotely related to Burn Notice, the television show on USA, please get in touch. You can send us connections, questions, suggestions, compliments, and absolutely no criticism of any kind to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. And as always, that is burnnoticed with a D. So, uh, you just got your second shot yesterday. How are you I just feeling? Got my, I got my second shot yesterday. I have felt better. <laughs> I am, in theory, really happy about having got my second shot. Sure. Practically, it's unpleasant. But it's like, statistically, it's going to go away in the next couple of hours. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I'm fine. I just took some. I think the worst of it happened during the night. I've been listening to this podcast about the French Revolution as I fall asleep. That's my going to sleep podcast. (laughs) And I was just in the throes of fever dreams all night. And so like, I knew I felt in my dreams, I felt awful. And I also felt like I was in the French Revolution. Who who were you? I I don't know. I think I was me. Were you the bourgeoisie? No, I think I was like one of the like liberal nobles. Of course. Like, who maybe was, like, in the society of 1789 or something, who, like, was at one point to the left of everyone, is now to the right of everyone, and so, like, is being looked at with distrust. Sure. I think that was what happened. I thought I was Lafayette, basically. <laughs> cool. Oh, boy. I have, I have nothing to contribute to this, because I don't know anything about the French Re- Revolution. Was Marie Antoinette in that? Yeah, she was. Okay, I know. I know her. I was hoping you'd say that that was who you were. I hope you would that say something pithy to the no. peasants and then get your fucking head chopped off. No, I, I'm i not royalty. <laughs> I'm fancy, I but am I'm a, not royalty. I'm, don't get me wrong. I am a princess, but I'm not royalty. Mm. This is this is starting to be like the beginning of a porno. So uh, let's move on. To the middle <laughs> of the porno. This is also, is this the first time that we've recorded like this early in the day on a weekday? On a weekday, yes. Because yes. yeah, like, even when we used to live near each other and would record this together, it was like an after work thing. But like no, now yeah. that we are racing against the clock to get all of the episodes recorded before I move, you go to Texas, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we had to move some of our recording sessions to midday. What's up, coworkers who definitely aren't listening to this? I said I'm busy in my schedule, but really, I'm doing burn noticed. So I'm kind of also out of it because I have to sort of keep an eye on my inbox. I, I've finished all of the work that i really need to do today so like hopefully nothing goes wrong (laughs) but i'm definitely like in a weird place to record a podcast right now and it sounds like so are you which is perfect i'm excited for the energy that these next two episodes have great well speaking of the next two episodes let's start with this one season five episode 11 called better halves it aired september 1st 2011 was written by lisa joy and directed by michael smith this is michael smith's last burn notice his only other one being blind spot an episode that even after i went on a, on a deep dive into the imdb page of i have no recollection of <laughs> but i will I don't say remember anything about it i really enjoyed the directing in this episode especially like the last probably 15 minutes or so uh, i thought he did a really great job there's yeah, a, no, the final showdown and everything that kind of happens beyond that i think was very effective so great job michael smith good for you yeah, good no for i you, like michael yeah smith. i liked the direction of this episode i liked this episode spoilers i also liked this episode i liked it more as it went like at first i was like this is fine and then it like it really built for me so um mm-hmm. sp- Let's before we hop into the weeds, of course, we have to do the thing that we do for a person who doesn't listen to this podcast anymore. Uh, and that is to read the IMDb episode of this disc- uh, IMDb episode of this description. You know, the IMDb episode of this description. IMDb while Sam and Jesse description. <laughs> while Sam and Jesse get some help to get Tavian, the assassin who framed Michael, Michael and Fee pose as a married couple for a CIA extraction assignment. All right. Wanna get in the weeds? Yeah, let's get in the weeds. We have low energy. It's great. 
<laughs> Let's just fucking get in these weeds and get it over. Let's get in these weeds, yeah. All right, so the first weed that we get into is what happens first in the episode, which is that Michael and Jesse follow Max's so killer's... So e- each note on your, like, notes an individual weed? Is that how it works? Uh, Yeah, yeah. And, like, the big chunky ones are, like, really big weeds that are, like... um like uh, invasive species weeds and then like the little like transition weeds are like dandelions oh oh i love a dandelion yeah see it's like you know it's fine but it's easy to remove you know it it, it could just as well just be ignored (laughs) but those those invasive species uh so yeah so the first weed is that michael and jesse are following max's killer's money trail and then sam tracks down a lead that they get as a result of that little bit to get a photo of pavel stiegler who is the unofficial banker to cold war leftovers who they believe helped finance tavian the murderer he it looks like based on what they understand Stiegler's business to be and what they understand Tavian's deal to be. It looks like Tavian lied to Stiegler about like what the money was going for. So they're like, I think our in, Michael's like, I think our in is to tell Stiegler that Tavian lied to him and hopefully get Stiegler to give us info on how to get to Tavian. Yeah, especially since, if I remember correctly, Stiegler was like friends with Lucien. Yes. Yeah, because he's Romanian. I think they're both Romanian. I will say... Stiegler looked to me a lot like Ted Cruz, and I found that distracting. I, you know, who I thought he looked like? I thought he looked like like a an older, less attractive version of the guy that plays Victor in Dollhouse. Who's yeah, a bunch that of stuff. too. No, same. Like a combination of him and Ted Cruz. Like if you face that's a, that's those a two great people, and terrible com- combination. It's a great and terrible combination. anyway so despite michael being like i know how we can get through to stiegler michael is not in the next scene jesse and sam go to tell stiegler that he was lied to uh and then there's a slight tense exposition standoff with like you know stiegler's guys trying to get to them but at the end they've given stiegler enough information for him to run down to see if he believes them and if he's willing to help them like track down tavium end of cold open Post-cold open, Pierce is frustrated that the gang is too good at covering their tracks and her Romanian angle, because remember she found Lucian's murder site. It hasn't led to anywhere for her, so uh, it seems fruitless. Michael apparently impressed the company, the CIA, which is great because it seems like he worked for them for two decades. But like the way that they talk about the way that the agency feels about Michael is very funny because like they're acting like he's just this total like new person. They nobody's ever met him before and it's like he worked for you guys for like probably 20 years or a little bit under. Why is everyone so ex- like um, amazed at how good he is at his fucking job? Like Yeah, that is kind of weird. I didn't think about that, but that is weird. Isn't that weird? Like <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I'm assuming that he is working for different people now. Like the CIA is pretty big, I guess. My I assumption guess, is that- But also Michael Weston is like supposed to be the boogeyman. Like, bad guys know him, good guys know him, ladies love him, men love him. Like, he's supposed to be this, like, mythical figure. And it's so funny that, because, so, like, the reason that this comes up is because Pierce is like, they want you to do another extraction because you've been so impressive to them. And I'm like, so first of all, an extraction seems like a fairly low-level mission considering how little, like, resources end up on these things. Like, it's usually, like, one or two people, and they just got to figure it out. So, like, clearly this is a low-impact mission, all things considered. But but also, again, that's what's impressed them, not the two decades he's worked for them and the intervening five or six years while he's been burned, which we know they know about. <laughs> Maybe there's a lot of like turnover in the CIA. And so it's all like a bunch of young kids who don't believe or maybe the like Weston the myth. or maybe the thing that they like about him or that they're impressed by isn't like his skills, but the fact that like he's good because of all of the burn like because of the burn notice they think that like oh he's like the boogeyman he's like a monster but actually no he's like a good guy he's like a bathroom door sign of a man (laughs) 
So the new extraction that they want Michael's help with is this guy who they only know as Cheshire, who's like a bioweapons engineer. Like he's like a scientist who makes bioweapons. And they don't know who he is, but they know where he's going to be. And they know he's going to be there with his wife, who they also want to extract alongside him in case she knows something. So uh, because the, loca- the, the, the location that they are sending Michael to is a couple's resort, Michael needs a wife for this mission and pierce is like it was going to be me but i have to chase down these max's killer leads so uh you and fiona are going to pretend to be married and go to this couple's retreat and given the past couple of episodes i think you can imagine how that's going to go michael is going to take fiona to somewhere outside caracas it sounds like to like this beautiful couple's resort but of course it's on a mission and fee is predictably unhappy that michael decided that a job together is the same as quality time which i kind of feel like Michael Weston in this situation, I am consistently the person in relationships, both romantic and otherwise being like, well, what if we just do work together? (laughs) Like this is something that like you and I and our friend Andrew used to have trouble with is that for me, because I like Michael Weston, am a super genius workaholic. I'm always like, well, what if we just do a project? That's, that's, that's like being friends together. That's, that's, if we're doing work together, we're doing friends together. I don't understand why we can't combine the two, but you guys like Fiona are like, uh, no, it needs to be like actual friend time or romantic time or work time. You cannot combine them. Relationships aren't about efficiency, Brie Michael. But in any case, Fee is also like, listen, (laughs) the quality time that I'm looking for with you is not just about fancy trips. It's about connecting. And then Jeffrey Donovan grimaces through a line about how they connected pretty well last night. Wink, wink. They fucked. They fucked. Yeah, they did. They, They fucked. Yeah. They fucked. And Fee's like, that's not what I mean. And Michael's like, well, I can't read your mind. Um, Which is a dumb line for him to say, given that Fee in this scene and in previous scenes has very explicitly told him what she wants. So I'm not sure what additional mind reading Michael Weston thinks he needs in order to connect with his girlfriend, but at least he's given her them orgasms. Here's the thing about this episode. We've been (laughs) talking in the last couple episodes about how like the show wants Fee to be, like, kind of angry with Michael, but also they can't Mm -hmm. track Fee's emotions because they don't actually know what Fee is upset about. This episode finally gets it. Like, this episode, like, is also finally willing to, like, have Michael kind of suck in it. Mm -hmm. And, like, suddenly, like... And that's, it's it's not an accident that this was the only one written by a woman. Exactly. And, like, but suddenly (laughs) now we're kind of we're experiencing this, like, in, like, from Fiona's side. Like, sure. it's so simple, but, like, we now understand, like, we're seeing the way Michael is behaving and, like, the way that it affects her. And, like, it's, yeah, it's amazing how, like, you have a woman write this and suddenly all the fee stuff makes sense. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And she doesn't seem whiny and she doesn't seem entitled. She seems like a woman who just wants to spend some time with her partner. Exactly. Who is consistently giving her nothing. Except for that good, good dick. No reaction to the good, good dick. Fair enough. Anyways, the <laughs> the end of this scene where they're kind of arguing, she's Wait, like, I'm fine, too I'll sick go right with now you. for good, good dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, you'll be ready for it again. Not that you're necessarily looking for good, good dick, but you know, if you were in the market, you'd be more willing for it in a few weeks. Exactly. But anyways, <laughs> this scene, which is despite the kind of like grimacy delivery of like, we were connecting pretty good last night it's still a cute scene i think that uh, jeffrey donovan and gabrielle anwar have really genuine chemistry i enjoy seeing them be like kind of romantic together um and we get a lot of it in this episode mm-hmm. and i really enjoy it i, I really didn't know I, I did too and the thing about the line the kind of grimacy i thought we were connecting pretty well last night line is that like the episode knows that it's grimacy like it's not like it feels awkward because like we're in fee's side on this and so it's like and also because i don't think that's how michael like michael weston is not crass michael weston's a lot of things crass is not one of them and he so rarely talks about sex at all that like it just it seems like a virgin talking about like losing it for the first time (laughs) it does like he's so chaste i'm so i'm enjoying the sex that we've been having (laughs) 
Good sex. <laughs> a thing that I definitely like. See, this is this only ladders up to my hypothesis that Michael Weston is at least gray asexual. I really do think that it it tracks in everything we know about him and every line delivery. I feel like there's some level of this where sex is just not really the thing that he thinks about. But I think that because like Fiona has been sort of the driving sexual tornado in their relationship in every scene we've seen them connect in. I think that, like, he assumes if he reminds her how good she got fucked, it'll be fine. Exactly. Because I think he, he imagines it's more important for her than him. Clearly, because throughout the episode, we see how little he cares about that. Uh, but anyways, Michael Weston is gray ace. Moving on. I mean, uh, totally, so the end of the I scene, feel like that's almost canon. I I don't know if they know the word for it. Oh, yeah. I also feel like it's almost canon. Just, like, he is, he is so not James Bond. He's so not James Bond. Mm -mm. In a way that almost feels pointed. But anyways, the scene ends. I've been trying to get to the end of this scene for what feels like days. It's an important <laughs> scene. scene. Ends it's with like my... setting everything up thematically. It's definitely an important scene. But I do want to move on because I am dying and you are also dying. So um, Michael's like, one of the other benefits of like working for the CIA for a mission like this is that we get a discretionary fund. And then he gives her half of the discretionary fund. And he's like, all right, fine. I'll get a new dress. And then she takes the other half of the discretionary fund and is like, and also some new shoes. And then just leaves Michael with nothing, which I really appreciate. That was very funny. And this actually comes back. Once again, Lisa Joy, like Michael Horowitz, is one of those writers who like doesn't just make a throwaway joke, but embeds it as like a running gag throughout the scene or throughout the episode, which I really appreciate. So the discretionary fund dress even comes up in the very like last scenes. So I'm just saying an attention to detail can be really effective and also ties the thing together cohesively. So rather than being a jumble of unrelated scenes, it becomes a cohesive episode of television. Incredible that it takes them five seasons to still not do this consistently, but whatever. So um, as Sam or as Michael and Fee start to do their thing, Sam and Jesse meet up with Stiegler again, who has found out that they're telling the truth about TV and, and has given them details on where he's when he's going to be in town and where they can find him. So this is mostly just an exposition scene to uh, let us know Stiegler's on our side now. He's pissed at Tavian. Tavian's going to be in town soon. Go get him, boys. Then we head to Caracas, where Michael and Fiona are hanging out in their hotel room. Michael is hacking the hotel's files from the TV as they sort of settle in. And as he's, like, looking through the hotel, there are three potential couples who could be Cheshire and his wife. Because they all, appear like, arrived at the same time on the day that they know Cheshire arrived. So he's like, all right, well, let's go to something public tonight and, like, scope out these three couples and see if we can figure out which one of them it is. As Fee shows off her new discretionary fund gown, which is very pretty. Michael holds out their wedding rings for their cover and she's like, oh, aren't you going to get down on one knee? And he like holds her hand really gently for a second and then flips it over and puts the rings in her hand like so unromantically. And I kind of enjoy this because no, he's good. such a fucking dunce. It's like, like Fiona is just like begging him to play with her. Do a bit with me, you stupid fool. And he's like, no, we have to work. <laughs> Like, doesn't even have time to do a bit. Come on, Michael. No, I agree. It's very good. Poor Fee. So uh, then we have a very fun scene, which like nothing a ton happens in it, but it's an excuse to watch Michael and Fiona dance together a lot. So I got a lot of fun screenshots from this scene, but basically they like use a ball or a dance or some kind of dance related mixer to kind of spy on the three couples and like get close to them and kind of make some observations. Michael like spins Fee so that she can check if somebody has a gun or not. You know, she goes over and says, oh, I love you. We've been watching you as dance all night. Like, I love what you and your husband are up to to like figure figure out if they're actually married or not. And uh, Fiona has an assumption of one couple. She's like, I think it's them because of X, Y, Z. And Michael's like, no, it's definitely this other couple because they're using fake names. Like a waiter called out their name and it took them a full two seconds to react. So I think it's definitely them. And she's like, all right, fine. And they immediately go with Michael's them. thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I think because she's just like, whatever. Which is subtle, <laughs> but like pointed. That Michael's exactly. like, no, your thing's wrong. And that comes back. It, it doesn't get ignored. It, it doesn't. If this was a boys episode, it would get ignored, but it's not. The couple, predictably, that Michael sets his sights on are some dude and Charisma Carpenter, who is in this episode and who is excellent. Yeah, no, I love I'm a Charisma little, Carpenter. 
I love her. I'm a little disappointed that there was no turn where I think we've probably already done this on a burn notice episode. So I understand, but like, I was kind of hoping for it to turn into from like, you know, just a grieved wife to like, actually she's the mastermind. Cause I think charisma carpenter would absolutely kill that. They don't do that. It's fine. I think she still does a great job, but I love when charisma carpenter gets to go from like a grieved, like whiny wife to like full badass in the span of the same 45 minutes. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I actually think that there's a different episode of a different procedural that Grimsma Carpenter is in where that does happen. So maybe I'm just like wishing I was watching that episode. This episode's great, but like I do think that there is a some TV show, maybe it's Bones, maybe it's something else that Charisma Carpenter is definitely a lot of in. Shows. And she is, yeah, she, I mean, this is her type. She's very typecast as like the ditzy wife, mm-hmm. but like who's kind of brash and, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, she's just, I, only ever see her playing someone's wife exactly which is too bad anyways she does a great job and of course as soon as you see charisma carpenter you're like oh okay so that's the couple that we're going after so while they are dancing uh their their last name is the skyler they're the skylers um while they're dancing michael bugs their hotel room with fee on the lookout but they come back a little earlier than expected so they have to kind of make a quick exit out into the porch but the porch is a little high up and so in order to get away clean uh michael suggests silently through gestures that he needs to rip fee's dress to like tie it to that in his jacket so that they can like make a rope to get down and she's like absolutely not like they, like they're doing this whole bit to totally non-verbally of like michael being like we have to do this and her being like absolutely fuck you no it's my new dress it's the one thing i get out of this mission and then he just rips it for her which you know we see people react to in the hotel room we're like oh no are they gonna get caught anyways but they don't they climb down successfully and fee is unhappy they do get away clean but you know there's a lot of not clean things yeah that happened no i like this i like again everything's sort of like yeah nothing's wasted and this is like a plot thing but it's also like this is the story like the like yeah it also gets to the core of like the issues that they're having is that exactly. he is callous about the things that she cares about and is only interested in how they can help him and seems to have no remorse for it like he doesn't apologize he doesn't like you know none of that kind of stuff he's just sort of like constantly harangued you know he's playing the guy that normally in burn notice we're on the side of like the ugh, this crazy woman who just only cares about blah 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 like why can't you just leave me alone but like we're now seeing it from fee's side which is like hey that sucks <laughs> she's not being unreasonable and like at the least you could do is like apologize and try to find either another way to do it or find a way to make it up to her neither of which he does and i think that it's a really effective runner as well as an effective sort of emotional undercurrent as michael is like having to learn that being in a relationship isn't just about sometimes giving it to her and other times doing missions together exactly so we head back to michael and fee's hotel room michael is listening in on the bug we learn that the wife wants a real life charisma carpenter is very upset that like they're constantly being followed around oh this is important i forgot about this so in the in the last scene where michael is bugging the hotel room fee is looking out the window and she's like hey we were both right your couple is the cheshire and his wife but the couple that i pointed out are their bodyguards so there was something suspicious about them i was just wrong about what it was so um while michael is listening in on the bug we learn that charisma carpenter is like super pissed <laughs> that these goons are following them around these russian goons i think he the cheshire uh whose name is kevin I think. which i like but um, i do like that fee was also right like i also like that yeah that was like a good this episode is good at like finding solutions that like allow fee to be right while also not breaking michael weston 100 like, percent, and this is what we should be doing every time yes like, there's this thing, it's like, it's easy to do this, because, like, we talk a lot about how, like, the show can't make Michael Weston too bad. Like, the show can never make Michael Weston not be competent. And, like, this episode is really good at threading that needle of, like, the demand that Michael Weston always be kind of right, while also making Phoebe right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are equal people. Like, just yeah. because he is this amazing super spy doesn't mean that Fee is just sort of, like, the annoying tag-along. Like, she she has full agency in this. And uh, we'll probably talk about this as we rate the episode later. Oh, totally. But I think that it, it effectively balances that. And this really does feel like a couple's case rather than 
a case where Michael has to have Fee tag along as his fake wife. Exactly. Which it very easily could have become. I mean, that's kind of what, like, the, what, last week's episode, the week before's episode, the one where Fee is, the bo- like, Fee and Jesse are both bodyguards, but, like, Fee's basically never on screen. Oh, yeah, It's just Jesse's ever. job that Michael comes into. Oh, God, This is right. the version of that that would have been way more interesting. But anyway, so we we hear a an immediate parallel between that couple and this couple. So Charisma Carpenter is like, I want a real life. This sucks. I hate our bodyguards. I hate that our vacation sucks. Like, fuck you. And so as they're kind of listening to this, Fee is like, hey, do you want to do something else? I think we could maybe connect right now. And Michael's like, "Ah, I'm kind of busy, but like, we'll do it later, Fee. And then she's like, all right, fine. Well, I'm going to go draw a bath. It's big enough for two. And Michael's like, oh, I'd really like to do that, but I have to do some notes. And then just like goes back to work and he's like, all right. It's still a very sweet scene. Like anytime he is drawn away from work enough to like make eye contact with Fee, there is something electric in the air. But then he ruins it by going back to work and she's like, oh, fine. Throws up her hands, goes to take a bath. Very sad. She won't be getting it tonight. The next morning, um, their plan of attack is to set up Charisma Carpenter with a new friend, Fee, by Michael accidentally sending champagne and caviar to her poolside chair instead of the nearby Fee's. As the girls bond over their absent husbands, Fee mentions a helicopter ride her hubby is booking for them. But then in the very next scene, when the husbands meet for the first time, Michael's like, oh, so remember that helicopter ride I got for us? Me as your hubby? Well, unfortunately, the only plane they have is a six-seater. And Fiona's like, oh, that's too bad. What a bunch of wasted space. Oh, hello, my new friend Charisma Carpenter and her husband, Kevin. Would you guys like to come with us on a helicopter? And Kevin's like, uh, <laughs> Kevin's like, uh, no thanks. And Charisma Carpenter's like, oh, come on. And Michael's like, oh, well, what if we went to dinner to talk about it and get to know each other? But like, it seems like the ladies like each other. So why not? My good friend, Kevin, my new best friend, Kevin. We're and men. Kevin's like, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, your friend, Kevin. And so they like walk away so that they don't seem too pushy. And Michael's like, shit, shit, it didn't work. We're not going to be able to d- do this. We're going to have to figure something else out. And Peter's like, I don't know. This is going to be fine. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, listen, I saw the look on that woman's face. <laughs> We're going on a helicopter with them. And and like as if on cue, Charisma Carpenter like waves them down again and is like, hey, we're in for dinner and the helicopter ride. We'll see you tonight. And Fee gets to walk off all triumphant because she like understands women and Michael Wesson clearly doesn't. It was nice. That's another opportunity of like Michael and Fee being good at their approach, but then Michael doubting it because of like a key piece of information that based on the theme of this episode, of course he would miss that then Fiona gets to kind of lord over him. Exactly. It wasn't that he was wrong necessarily, but he wasn't all the way right. And she got to kind of fill in that final piece. It's good. It's It's so subtle. This is like good storytelling. And it's still Burn Notice. This is the thing that I think frustrates me the most about Burn Notice is that like it doesn't need to be a bad Burn Notice episode to be a good episode of television and consistently they're letting us down. Yeah. (laughs) Like, guys, it could be this every week. Yeah. I'm not saying every week needs to be. This could be like your show. (laughs) This could be the show. (laughs) I mean, thank God for a handful of these writers. Otherwise, like. What are we doing here, guys? Back in Miami, briefly, Sam and Jesse are setting up their interceptive Tavian. Uh, He's going to be, like, doing some kind of deal in an alleyway, they think. So uh, because they know he's going to drive into the alleyway, they set up a a directional charge to, like, stop the car. And there's, like, a whole spy tip or whatever. But basically, this is just a scene of, like, them setting up for a later ambush. And then Jesse's like, all right, we're done. I'll go buy you dinner. Because, you know, it's burn notice. It really is important to know when they're eating and who's paying for what they're eating. For the record, back in Caracas, uh, Charisma Carpenter and her husband are paying for dinner because Michael and Fiona are paying for the helicopter. So don't you worry. We've sorted it all out. We know exactly who's paying for whose dinner. Everything is fine. Speaking of dinner, during dinner back in Caracas, Fee notices that Charisma is looking kind of down and it turns out that her dumb husband doesn't want to go on the helicopter tour and then it gets a little bit tense. And then as they realize that like, I don't think that we're going to get them on this helicopter just as like a fun loving fellow couple who might want to swing with them. Michael changes the approach and is like, hey, we have a lot in common, Kevin. Your name is Kevin. My name is not the name I gave you. 
it turns out we're both men who are not who we say we are. Everybody laugh because the butter bodyguards are like looking suspicious. And basically Michael is kind of like, he changes the approach to be that he and Fee work for a like competing, competing criminal conglomerate and they can pay Kevin for way more than what he is getting paid by the Russians. And he won't give them babysitters. And they say this because they know from listening in on the bugs that like one of Charisma Carpenter's main issues with his current form of employment is that they're constantly like followed around by these goons who only let them do certain things. So he knows now that like Fee has pointed out, hey, the wife has influence here. He is now speaking multiple languages. And like, there's a little bit of a tense showdown because it, the bodyguards, for whatever reason, start to get suspicious, which doesn't make sense because clearly they're not in earshot. Yeah, I <laughs> but, was like, confused. The, the bodyguards- At first yeah. I thought they were in earshot or that like there was bugging going on. I was... But yeah, no. So, like, the bodyguards are at, like, a nearby table. Our people are having a conversation. Michael then, like, basically lays it out on the table. Like, hey, I know your bodyguards are Russian and over there. Um, and, but, like, you know, they, they keep being like, hey, everyone smile and laugh. But then at a certain point, midway through this interaction, the bodyguards, like, get up and, like, start coming towards them, like, clearly holding guns hidden. But then uh, Fee gets them all to laugh really loud. And, like, they, they say, like, oh, this is why we tell the funny stories or whatever. And then the bodyguards, like, chill out. But, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. There seems to be nothing that would indicate Theoretically, the Theoretically, I think what's up. supposed to be happening is that the bodyguards Bodyguards are reacting to Kevin looking upset. Maybe, but, but it's like, not. They know clear. that there's strife between him and his wife. Yeah, exactly. It's not clear. This is the one part of the episode where I'm like, uh, does that make sense? I don't fully think it makes sense because. <laughs> Like, it just, it doesn't make sense, but it's fine. The approach is, it, it works. Uh, he, Kevin likes that there's more money to be made for him. Charisma Carpenter likes that she won't have bodyguards the whole time. So they're like, okay, the the helicopter is actually our buyers, like, that are going to give you a lot of money. So we just need to get you away from your bodyguards. And that's the plan. Or I guess they tell them that the next day at the pool. So like the next day at the pool, the couples are hanging out again. And Michael's basically like, we need to get to the heli helipad by 4 p.m. So before then, we just need to ditch both of your bodyguards. Don't worry. We've got a plan for that. So the first part of the plan that we know is that um, to uh, the boys are going to go to the steam room because then the husband bodyguard can't wear his Kevlar. And then the girls are going to go to a restaurant where they'll be on a patio while the wife bodyguard is stuck at the bar, which will give them space to slip away because they'll be in separate areas and hopefully we'll be able to sneak off so like that's the plan girls versus boys they're both going to separate get rid of the bodyguards and meet back up at the helipad back in miami sam and jesse wait impatiently for tavian to show up who is late based on the information they had from Stiegler. Jesse then goes back to see if Stiegler sold them out and promises him a beer on his way back if he can, if Sam can just sort of keep an eye out in case Tavian does decide to show. But as expected, Stevie, uh, Stiegler is dead and Sam gets the news as a gun is shoved in his face by Tavian. So Tavian does show up, just not in the way they expected. Stiegler either sh gave them up or was tortured and then shot. Either way, this guy is played by a guy who plays Eastern European bad guys a lot. Yeah, he's sort of uh, like and also an Eastern European Jason Statham. That that's that's a good. He just has like a weirder shaped head. Yeah, <laughs> like he he kind of has the uh, a mega mind shaped head, but like not cartoonish. I guess Does that track with you. Like he just it's like very. I'm making a lot of motions with my hands. That yeah, it's like, I can't see them. Can I see. don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, yeah. <laughs> just look at him and think Megamind, right? Just I don't know. I didn't just go back have a problem it. with the shape of his head. I didn't have a problem with it. Megamind's a handsome looking guy for a cartoon <laughs> character who's blue. <laughs> Do you want to fuck Megamind? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to fuck anyone, Chris. That's fair. This has been well established. This is very well established, but... <laughs> Do you want to make out with Megamind? Maybe. I think it'd be interesting. Anyways, so Tavian is there. He's got Sam and he drives him to a remote location, but not to kill him, to ask for a meeting with Michael and a truce, promising answers to questions that Michael doesn't even know to ask in exchange. Um, he insists that he meets Michael the next day at a certain time, which is obviously complicated because Michael's literally not in the country and they don't really have a good way to contact him. So, um, but we, we now have like a timer on both Michael and Fee extracting their 
assets, as well as Michael meeting Tavian to like once and for all get some answers on what the fuck is going on. Speaking of Michael, he is prepping his sauna battlefield and oiling himself up while Kevin casually mentions that he's making a bioweapon that causes total organ failure that he's super excited to sell now that like he's got a better deal. Yeah, we're being very clear that this guy sucks. Yeah, he's got just a bad husband and kind of like annoying, but he's also like actively like bad who makes murder diseases and bioweapons. Like fuck this guy. Yeah, and Michael's like, oh, don't worry, you'll get what you deserve in one of those fun, like, sort of <laughs> loaded, dramatic irony statements. And I'm, like, very preoccupied by the fact that Michael has oiled himself up, which seems like a weird detail, except it happens. Comes it's in useful. handy? It's the, yes, comes in handy. That's it is. That's what it is. So Michael has all, all is all oiled up. Although no one gets and, a handy. Um, <laughs> no one gets a handy but the oil is handy and michael weston really violently like beats the shit out of husband bodyguard and the oil is important because when the husband bodyguard like pins him he can kind of slip out because <laughs> he's slippery now this is like, and, like so homoerotic this fight it's well it's, so it's super homoerotic but also it's like kind of brutal like it's one of the more brutally choreographed fight scenes uh-huh. that i've ever seen on burn notice Ooh, like the there's like crunches and he's like puts his face in hot coals and like yeah it's it's brutal it's it brutal really but violent. it's also like because again like these men are like shirtless and oiled and like <laughs> and it's just like a lot it's like it the fucking eastern promises fight <laughs> or like Viggo Mortensen like beats the shit out of someone with his dick hanging out. Yep. Oh. That's it's it is it is a lot. But this is when I started to like really pay attention to the directing as like yeah. the action sequences started. And I think it was really well done and like no, it was super despite well it being done. truly the most no. violent fight scene I think I've ever seen. It was seen. so violent. But again, I like the thing about this episode was the way that these male bodies were photographed just felt very almost voyeuristic. <laughs> like, yeah in a way that the girls don't really get shot no yeah because like the girls are in bikinis a lot but it never feels gratuitous no yeah no but yeah these bad this fighting fight, this, this fight was gratuitous yeah <laughs> yeah the oily grapple sesh uh extremely homoerotic uh i enjoyed it a lot over at the girls brunch charisma carpenter is super nervous and this is the moment where i was like Maybe, maybe she's going to turn bad. She doesn't. She's just like legit nervous because this is a crazy thing that's happening. And she's just a person who married a guy who she thought was a doctor. So the plan is going to be like the way that the whole thing is situated is like the bar has a door between it and like the patio where the girls are. And so Fiona like tipped a busboy and got the key to that so that she can lock the door and give them not only time to escape, but also like a little extra time because it's going to take them a bit to like get through the door to follow them, even if she does notice it. The trouble is that Charisma Carpenter is like super nervous. So after um, Fiona locks the door, Charisma Carpenter stands up, but then like smashes her glass on the floor um, because she like gets up too fast and bumps the table. And uh, of course that alerts Russian wife bodyguard who starts running after them. And um, because now they have less time to escape than they had they planned, they jump into the ocean. Then they get out of the ocean and onto a motorcycle that Fee hot wires. And then they do a motorcycle chase for a little bit, all extremely good. But like, because the now everyone is suspicious, more Russian cavalry has been called in. And because a motorcycle is not good to like break through a barricade, Fee has to peel off mid chase to like find a place to kind of hole up for a little bit. We're now kind of doing this thing that we do on Burnt Notice sometimes, where you have a character like Charisma Carpenter. It's like this, it's a, a woman who's like a little bit nervous and like, a little bit and like it's not just women but i feel like there's a specific thing that happens when they do this with women wherein fee like kind of suddenly gets very annoyed with them in a very mm-hmm. pointed way in a very almost like not like other girls kind of way <laughs> sure and i got that vibe a little bit where it was just kind of like we're like fee is being just a little bit ugh, other women <laughs> i mean i feel like she does that to men too though no so she I, definitely I does do that to men too gendered. but like it has a different dimension Sure. 
But I think that what sets this particular setup apart is that, like, it's only women in this scene. It's a woman bad guy. It's woman fee. And it's a woman charisma carpenter. And so I I don't think that it has quite as many bad vibes. But I do agree that sometimes it tends to come across like that. No. In any any case, uh, Fiona drives them off the road. And they get to, like, a warehouse. And um, Fee is like, and Charisma Carpenter is like, what are we going to do? Like, are we going to hide? And she's like, no, we can't hide. They're going to find us. The best thing we can do is control where they find us and, like, set it up to our advantage. So, like, Fee starts to improvise a last stand sort of section. And even her, like, she even tells Charisma Carpenter, she's like, I don't know if we'll live, but uh, I'm going down in a blaze of glory. So... Sorry, (laughs) like we're making a stand here. We go over to Michael and Kevin who have successfully left their area and gotten to the helipad. It's five minutes until the plane's set to get there and the girls are not there. And Kevin's like, ah, shucks. Well, let's just cut our losses. And Michael's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm obviously going to get them. So Michael leaves Kevin uh, with the car maybe, or just leaves him at the helipad and Michael drives to like find Fee and Charisma Carpenter. Fee and Charisma Carpenter in the meantime have set up their battlefield. I, th- I thought he took Kevin with him. I don't think he did because he he's not there when they get into the car and like Fee gets in the I thought he was in the, the back seat. With Michael. Was he? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Kevin might be there. He might not. He does not make an appearance until we no, get back to like, the helipad. No. So he's not matter. getting out of the car to lift a finger. <laughs> yeah like he he's basically like ah sucks to suck i guess i'll need a new wife and michael's like no wonder your 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 wife hates you and so he goes to get fee and charisma so speaking of fee and charisma they've set up their battlefield and when the russians come first just three of them girl bodyguard and then two other goons uh fee sort of takes them out one by one but she misses with her last bullet against wife bodyguard luckily though michael weston arrives in the nick of time to brain wife bodyguard with the butt of another bigger gun then there's a very sweet moment where he and Fee sort of like exchange like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. And he's, she's like, how did you find me? And he's like, listen, I know you and I know you'd want to go down in a blaze of glory. So I figured this was probably a good spot to do that in. And so it's, you know, it's very cute. But then more Russians show up. And so as Michael and Fee are like embraced, they like clock a couple of approaching Russians. Michael Weston has two guns stuffed in the back of his belt, uh, which Fee grabs one of while Michael's still holding his big gun. And then there's this like really really fun like final showdown where he and michael first start out by like shooting around each other and then they like twist and be back to back then at one point charisma carpenter gets brought in between them and they have a charisma carpenter sandwich where they're like shooting out around them it's like and like we keep transitioning between like a side two shot where we can kind of see them just like as if we're standing next to them and then an overhead shot of like all of their cool maneuvers like showing off like what you know a well-oiled machine this gun killing couple is uh it's very good i like i will say i am not like afraid to say this it's pretty hot it's so hot holy shit it's so it's hot so hot they're like it's true it's so good it's extremely good i got lots of screenshots from this scene like this yeah. is the sequence where i was like holy shit michael smith i'm really bummed that you don't direct any more episodes because like this was beautiful no yeah this is great yeah the just the kind of like dance of death that they do oh Dance of Death is a good way to put it. It's extremely fucking good. It's super good. And it's like, and like, yeah, it's about how in sync they are and like how like, yeah, they've been sort of off this whole episode, but like in like in crunch time, they're like, they are, they're like a unit. They work together and they work together so well. And it's like, again, very hot. And also, I think what also makes this and sort of what kind of completes our arc for these two characters is that the way that Michael Weston finds Fiona and saves her life, which, you know, on the whole is like a pretty good mark in his favor, is that he knows her and knows where she, what she would have done and what she would have wanted. So like he not only saves her life, but he does so by having a deep knowledge and understanding of the woman he loves, which is really all that Fiona has been looking for. Exactly. She just wants some acknowledgement that he's paying attention and this confirms confirms that he is and confirms that he is while saving her life and then doing a really hot gun showdown like showdown it's very good extremely good love it love it love it they narrowly escape like badasses in a hummer and i know it's a hummer because there's a really gratuitous shot of the logo which would not make sense for any other reason than it's sponsored and then i start to think like this seems like a pretty expensive episode like there's a lot of really intense fight scenes they're like on location somewhere gorgeous like and there's a lot of set pieces i wonder if they were able to do this episode so big because hummer like sponsored them i don't know but hummer definitely sponsored them it's like it's a 
big shot of the logo and it does not make sense in context of the scene. Um, so then they get to the chopper right on time for Kevin to realize, hmm, something's up. Who are all these commandos getting out of this chopper? And then he tries to leave, but then he realizes he's kind of stuck between the CIA and the Russians and the CIA is not actively trying to kill him. And then Fee is like, they are going to put him in Guantanamo though. Yeah. Guantanamo is mentioned, I feel like a couple of times this season. Yeah, no. And it's like, it's not good to be in Guantanamo. Let's be very clear. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a uh, it's known for being kind of a bummer. <laughs> and so, like, Charisma Carpenter kind of looks like devastated, but Fiona's like, "Don't worry about it. You're gonna be able to cut a deal, no problem. And then you can start over without this fool." And then Kevin's like, "Well, I'll never talk. I know my rights." And Charisma Carpenter's like, "I'll talk. I'll fucking talk. Tell me what you want to hear, and I will talk." Uh, and then they all get in the plane, and everything's fine. <laughs> um. We Oh, and then right before they get on the plane, though, Fee tells Michael to thank you for the quality time as the sun sets behind them. Ugh, chef's kiss. Perfect. Love it. Good Love stuff. these two. Good stuff. So uh, Sam and Jesse are on a bridge now back in Miami. They're trying to get a hold of Michael and they're like surrounded by every kind of like cop. There's like cops on the bridge. There's cops in the water. There's cops in the air. And at first I'm like, what the fuck is happening? This seems very obvious. Aren't they supposed to be meeting Tavian kind of low key? But it becomes very evident what's happened. So like Jesse has basically called in a fuck ton of favors to lock down the island where they know that Tavian wants to meet Michael because they know Michael's not going to be able to make it on the timeline that he set but they don't want Tavian to leave and be like all right well fuck you guys I guess I'll keep trying to kill you (laughs) um so they've locked down every uh, ability to escape so that Tavian is forced to wait for when Michael can actually get to him which I thought was clever no I thought was clever use of like Jesse's connections apparently Jesse told all of them that he's tracking a smuggled weapon that's leaking radioactive fluid (laughs) and so Sam's like wow you went nuclear on him and he was like yeah I did Tavian calls Jesse not been fired yet I don't know. Yeah, this is wild. This is wild behavior. Not only is he bad at his job, as we know from last week, but also he's like actively lying and getting a fuck ton of crazy responses from people. Like, does he not have a manager? Yeah, What's I don't know going what the on? fuck is going on with Jesse's We really job. need to just like pin down what Jesse's job is, but it sort of seems just like the MacGuffin job of like, hey, I'll just do ex machina everything. No worries, guys. I've got resources, money, and credibility. And a sweet so, Porsche. <laughs> and a sweet Porsche. So Tavian calls one of them. I don't remember which one he he calls, but he's like, hey, what the fuck? Where's Michael? I'm leaving. And they're like, actually, you can't. Look around you. We've trapped you. We promise Michael's on his way, but he's had a bit of a holdup. So just like fucking chill out, dude. Uh, Tavian's not happy, but also can't escape. So like, it is what it is. Fee and Michael get back to the loft. They have a cute post-mission scene where Fee was like, sort of just is like listing out different locations she wants to do extractions in now. Like now she's like, hey, let's do this all the time. They have a cute little back and forth about like the fake ring. And Michael's like, you know, I'm going to hang on to this in case we ever need to do this again. And she's like, yeah, well, in the future, just know um, I want an Asher cut ring. And Michael's like, all right, noted. And it's very cute. And they're like, they're just, they're vibing like crazy. Then Fee heads off to get her <laughs> her discretionary fun dress cut into a mini dress. Because remember, Michael had to rip it. Great sort of end to that arc of her like, taking it as consolation, being upset that it gets destroyed, and then accepting its new form and making it work for her. It's sort of a lovely little metaphor for how this relationship is working out. Fucking great. A small, tiny little detail that could have just been a fee in her shoes and her dresses, but like becomes this really poignant like little arc for us. Anyways, great episode, Lisa Joy. So Michael gets to the loft and he's like, all right, I'm going to check in with Sam and Jesse. I assume something's happened with Tavian. But when he gets to his loft, he finds Agent Pierce eating a yogurt and sitting by a laptop. And she's like, hey, I finally had a break in the case. And so Michael goes to like look at what's on the laptop as she sort of talks. And, like, and she's by like, the end of her it's monologue. very pointedly, she is chipper. Yeah. Like, she's like, I have a, I had a break of a case. I wanted to tell you first. Like, she is in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Definitely not suspicious at all. Makes a big scene about like, I wanted you to be the first to know you've earned it, Michael, through your trustworthiness. (laughs) And so as Michael is like, 
looking at the footage and it's dawning on him what is about to happen. He like sees himself on the footage or like, I think he, they just see the charger on the footage and he turns around and Agent Pierce has help, is holding her gun at him and the episode ends with him being like, just let me explain. And she's like, it's too late. Fuck you, Michael Weston. And like, we we end there with her holding a gun on him in his own apartment, eating his own yogurts. Oh no, what will happen? And Octavian is waiting for him. <laughs> yep. No, it's a good cliffhanger. It's good. It's a great cliffhanger. Everyone's performances are good. The directing is fun. Like the reveal of Michael turning and revealing Pierce with holding the gun on him. Like it's all very effective. It's like, you know, there's light cheese to it, but I can do with a little cheese. It's burn notice. I'm not expecting grand, you know, HBO level drama. I'm expecting a little cheesy, you know, heightened action-y stuff. And this fucking works for me. So I want to, I really want to talk about the episode as a whole. So I'm going to blow through some spy tips. All right, cool, cool, cool. Number one. Working a cover at a foreign resort isn't about keeping a low profile, it's about having as much access as possible. Arrive in a nice car and tip extravagantly, and the service staff will open all sorts of doors for you. If you want to rub elbows with other guests, select a cover that gives you an excuse to be social, and a reason for the hotel to upgrade you to a central room. Travel writer usually works fine. It's a good idea to make use of all of the hotel's amenities. A laptop and some hacking software will get you access to the hotel's database and give you free pay-per-view in the process. So, like, it's kind of sandwiched and stuff that, you know, is obvious or that we've heard before, but I liked the, like, like, say you're a travel writer because it incentivizes the hotel to not only treat you better, give you more access and get you a better room, but it also gives you a reason to be doing like all of the stuff at the hotel. I think that makes sense. No, it was good. But I wouldn't have necessarily thought about that. Good tip. Cool. Number two, an outlet is an ideal place to plant a bug in a hotel. Not only do they provide power, but any audio picked up can be transmitted through the wires to any other outlet in the building, as long as you can manage to hook into a live circuit without electrocuting yourself. So we've definitely had a like a thing about like outlets being bugs before and like and specifically saying that the outlet can power i don't think the last time we got this tip they mentioned the thing about using the the wires to like network i think that's right. new and compa- i that was kind of my thing too especially because the first tip was about getting a central room so it's yeah. more likely that they'll be directly connected yeah i think that i think there's something to yeah that. sure i'll take it all right number three for a spy making an approach is about problem solving whether it's a bad marriage or an unsatisfying job you look for the problem the issue on the target's mind once you know the problem it's just a matter of turning yourself into the solution and arranging a meeting this seems kind uh, of bullshit it's something that we've kind of seen before like i like that framework it's Actually, what's funny is this is framework that I use when I talk to filmmakers about marketing, because the whole kind of principle of marketing is you figure out what your audience's problem is, and then you use your content to solve it. So like, I make content with asexual lead characters, because the problem that my audience, the asexual community has, is that there's not a lot of asexual characters in TV. And like, just by creating a new one, I am already solving a problem that I know they have because I've talked to them about it because I have that problem. And I liked that framework. I don't, I'm fine with this, like not being a good tip, but it's just, it's funny to me that the way that they framed it is literally how I frame conversations in my actual job. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like we've gotten stuff like this before. That's fine. It, this was not a great spy no. tip episode, so uh, we're on thin ice, but we'll see. All right, number three. Pinning down a moving target is all about preparation and timing. If your target will be driving, the first task is to stop the vehicle. If you have room, a bigger vehicle will do the trick. But if the space is tight, you will have to improvise. Finally, if you know where the target vehicle is headed, a directional blast that can launch a projectile into the engine of a car at high speed will stop it in its tracks. You just have to find a place to plant it and wait. I think there's enough here. That seems like good yeah, there's stuff. a lot of stuff here. And we and we kind of saw how they made the directional exactly. class. Like they basically just put a thing in the middle of the C4. Yeah, I think it works for me. All right, number four. People tend to overestimate the value of weapons. Choosing the time and place of a fight is often more important than having a lot of firepower. It doesn't matter if all you've got is spa rocks and a wet towel. You can surprise an unarmed opponent on favorable ground. That should be all you'll need. I was very confused by this tip because it starts off saying like weapons aren't important. And then ends with saying, but it's good to have a weapon. Well, I think what the point is, is that like, you don't want to go somewhere where like, you can both have guns. It's better to go to a place where you have control of the environment first. Even if you don't have a traditional weapon, you can figure it out. But also like the specific stuff he does, like the twisting up a yeah. towel. So no, I did like snap that, it, though. the like putting rocks in the towel, like the oiling himself up. I think that there's enough in that scene I think there's enough that we can too. apply. You know, when me and you go to a sauna to have a fight, we got to be oily. Exactly. We got to oil them titties, Chris. I mean, 
why else would I have them? <laughs> All right, number five. As tactical vehicles, motorcycles have advantages and disadvantages. Their off-the-line acceleration leaves most four-wheel vehicles in their dust. But as a vehicle for bursting through a roadblock, you can't do much worse. I don't know. Yeah, so this one I, I have on here because, like, I don't know anything about motorcycles. So knowing that they have a good burst acceleration is useful. Like That's, that's true. Not necessarily I didn't know something. that either. And, and so, like, if I just need to get away quick and uh, it's my other op my opponent is also in a car, this is still a viable option for me. And it's also useful to know because, like, at first when they were driving, like, as he was talking about the spy tip, I thought that they were just going to go through the barricade because there does seem to be, like, room between the cars. But it makes sense because all the cars have to do is, like, move slightly, which I assume somebody's in the driver's seat. And, like, then you're fucked. Whereas if you're in a car, you might be able to burst through. So, that like, makes sense. That might, no, I'll take it. It, it. it might give me a second thought. Let's get it to five. I really want this episode to fail or to succeed. Same. Right, no, cool. I'm with you. So that's exactly five. It's on thin ice. There were a couple other ones that were like sort of on the line that I kind of ultimately decided against, but this is fine. There's five practical spy tips. There. Congratulations, Lisa Joy. <laughs> uh, do they use spycraft over violence? No, I think they totally do. They definitely do, although there is a lot of violence. Like There's said, a lot of violence. Super brutal sauna fight. <laughs> like crazy brutal. And, and then the... And the sexy gun shooting. But there is definitely, like, a lot and of... And the sexy gun shooting. But, yeah, but the even the sexy gun shooting was, like, it started by Fee setting the battlefield really effectively and, like, you know... Yeah, and then there's a lot it. of, like, yeah, there's lots of, like, spying and there's lots of, like, like conning and, like, yeah, there was definitely a lot yeah. of stuff. There's definitely spycraft. It's definitely a spy episode. Yeah. All right. How do we feel about the alias? I think is their name is Brendan Jensen is Bre is uh, Michael's alias. I don't. And Fiona, who the fuck knows? I don't know. It just seems like it's definitely like a character. Like, but I would not, say it's I more of a care. cover than a character. Yeah. And I, I mean, think like, it's like, there's a distinction there. I mean, yeah, it's more of a cover. Like, Michael's definitely like doing like he's doing rich husband. Yeah. But like Rich Husband is kind of vague. It's really and I'm not super gonna remember. Vague. So yeah, it. I wouldn't say that this is a good alias or anything. I wouldn't either. So okay. Doesn't have alias, so it does need to use at least two supporting characters well. First, does Fee get to blow something up or get to be the protagonist? I would kind of like to argue that she's sort of the like co-protagonist. Yes. I would too. This is like a good feat. Would you agree with that? Yes. Because I, yeah, I think that they had a really well equal balance. Like usually in this sort of a setup, she'd get like maybe one solo scene, but mostly she would just be with Michael. But the fact that she gets like multiple solo scenes, I feel like has to count for something. Right. Yeah, no. I agree. Okay, cool. So Fee gets to be co-protagonist. That works. Does Sam get to be peace? Uh, peace. <laughs> Does Sam peace. get to be peak Bruce Campbell? Sam's not in this all this month, all that much. No, but he does like ask uh, Jesse for a beer, and he does get Jesse to pay for his dinner. That's true. <laughs> I, I it's it's on the line. That like that's not it's, much. That's pretty light. Here's the thing. I feel better about saying that. Jesse is not a redundancy. That I was about to say that. So yeah, like, okay. Yeah. We're on the same wavelength. So yeah, so Sam doesn't get to be quite peak Bruce Campbell. I think if he'd mentioned his girlfriend at any point, it would have been helpful. I think something is interesting about this episode and next episode is that Sam and Jesse spend a lot of time together and they're almost never alone. There's like, they there seems to be no real dynamic between the two. Like they're starting to build like a buddy sort of a dynamic, but that's really just Sam's relationship to Michael. And I, I wish Jesse and Sam had a little bit more of a distinct sort of like but Yeah, vibe. the thing is that like whatever Jesse and Sam are together they sort of default into the way that two men always kind of default when they're together <laughs> where it's like yeah we have a job to do you want to get a beer yeah yeah it's, it's just very casual like they could be anyone exactly <laughs> um but speaking of jesse was he just a distinct addition rather than a redundancy i mean again like he was able to get so. all the those people at the end like yeah i definitely think that jesse earned his keep and was distinct in this one mostly for the yeah, stuff at the i end. agree yeah yeah that's that's fair okay cool uh and madeline was not even in this episode nope. so she did not get a genuine emotional moment or get to do the case of the week sad but you know that's fine that's two out of four so this is officially or it's three out of four actually so this is officially a great episode of burn notice there is also one yogurt in it so that's exciting now was this a great episode of television 
I think we both think that it was. I think that we both think that it is. Because, like, both the thematic things really worked. Like, like we talked about, like, the discretionary dress is on its own with such, like, a lovely parallel, like, metaphor running gag that, like, ugh. But also the fact that it justifies the bullshit of the last couple of episodes of finally articulating why Fia's upset and it's not a stupid reason. Also, the fights were really great. And, like, I was compelled by the A-plot, certainly more so. Like, the the... Sam and Jesse stuff could have used a little bit of zhuzhing up, but, but like, also, we didn't like, really have a lot of they're not time in it for that them. Much. Like, exactly. They're shit's like quick. And like this episode understands that we're here for the Michael and P stuff. And like and I we probably would are. not like this episode as much if there was more of Sam and Jesse. Because like I don't think I, I'm necessarily saying that there should have been more. I think I'm saying that like she could have done more with those scenes. That's true. Like but give like, us a taste of what the relationship between these two men is. Otherwise, there wasn't a lot of real estate. I feel like Michael Horowitz probably would have done a little bit better job of like instead of just doing throwaway like I'll buy you a beer lines. Like there would have been some kind of running gag true. with like Jesse and Sam. But yeah, it's but it but it's not going to count against it because the Michael and Fee stuff was fucking mwah, exactly. Jeff's kiss incredible. Really, like really this episode like this. has its priorities straight. Absolutely. <laughs> and those priorities are straight. <laughs> Super heterosexual priorities. Exactly. But yeah, I, I'm really happy with this episode. This I was fun too. to watch. I really enjoyed it. So I, this is, I think, the third Lisa Joy episode. I, I guess technically fourth because she, she co-wrote an episode with Ryan Johnson. Yeah, and that one's not terribly three. good. No, it was not good, but it was also her first one and it was a co-writing thing. So like, that's fair enough. Uh, So two of the three Lisa Joy episodes that she's written solo have been great episodes of television. Her first one and this most recent one, her middle one, um, which was like a near the end of season four. It wasn't even a great episode of Burn Notice. Um, But both of the episodes that have been great episodes of television that Lisa Joy has written have also been great Burn Notice episodes. Once again, furthering my thesis that like, (laughs) despite how we probably sound in the beginning of this podcast, this show has the potential to be both great as a television show and great at what it wants to do structurally for the type of show that it's doing. Yeah. They are not mutually exclusive. No, yeah, I'm with you on that. And like, yeah, it seems... Yeah, this is sort of like, just do this thing. I don't know why it's so hard for them to not do this every week. It's because they have one woman in the writer's room. That's not even just just I'm not even... And I'm not saying it's because men are bad at writing. Like, I want that to be very clear. Like, I I think that this this podcast could easily air on the side of man-hating, and we've got our fair share of that. But I just think that it's a lack of, like, variety in the writer's room that really hurts them. Because when you have variety, you have more perspectives, you have more than two plots, (laughs) and you get to, like, have more interesting discussions that lead to more interesting episodes when you all just sort of agree generally and are the same kind of people with the same kind of experiences like everything feels flatter not because your experiences are invalid but because once you do that great once or twice there's not really anywhere else to go like there are literal scientific studies that prove that diversity is useful in business and in school environments and certainly in the writer's room and yeah but i also just think like not even like a sort of variety but just like a baseline level of give your characters like arcs in their episodes like make your plots about your characters yeah like i just want the show to be about the characters that's a good point it's like it's it's the easiest thing it's like just do that yep i don't know why that's so hard (laughs) <laughs> I do think that it's because it's just like the same guy duplicated in Photoshop in the writer's room. But like, it would be fine if those guys made their show about their characters. I don't think it would. I think we've seen that. And it's the episode where Michael and his mom have to like That's deal with Michael cosplaying as his dad. That's They've definitely fair. done character episodes before. <laughs> be careful That's what true. you wish for, Monkey but Paul. So, like, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but that that is that is a good point. Yeah, I'm just saying. Anyway. But yeah, like we we like this episode. This was fun to talk about. Uh I really enjoyed watching the way that they choreographed the fight scenes. Um I do wonder how much of it is about like cuz like this episode definitely seemed like it had a bigger budget than other ones. Am I right? 
It definitely seemed, yeah, there was a lot of stuff there. It did seem like they had some money. Yeah, so I'm, I I would be so curious to talk to somebody about, like, which episodes they got a little bit more cash from uh, that allowed them to, like, stretch it a little further. Because, like, you know, I, I don't know enough about Michael Smith to make any statements, but I do feel like he was given a lot more toys to play with than we usually get, which allowed him to do a little bit more stylistic stuff. And it, and it makes sense because it does feel like, especially because this episode ends on a cliffhanger and, like, we're right. dealing well, with, Right, well, this is like, definitely, like, the sort of mid-season penultimate episode. yeah exactly so like yeah like and next week is sort of a mid-season finale type deal so like it it does right. feel like they're like being judicious about where they're spending their money and they're like in this the lead up to the end we're like getting some we're putting our bucks where we need to put it yeah yeah, it definitely it definitely does feel like that, though. Uh, and I'm glad that this was the episode they put the money behind because it wasn't just like we got gratuitous explosions. Like we got beautifully choreographed fight sequences, like lots of longing looks on beautiful islands between our two love interests. I don't know. I had a really good time with this. I the even oil, watched it. Like, the body oil budget on this episode. <laughs> the body oil budget alone. <laughs> like Jeffrey Donovan's skin like absorbs it. So like they had to, had to keep oiling him up. <laughs> He's like a sponge yeah. for oil. Our oily boy. An oil sponge. <laughs> you heard it here first. Jeffrey Donovan's an oil sponge. Anyways, thanks again to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can find more of Vince's music at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And until next week, bye. Like one of those like little dinosaurs that comes out of a pill, but with oil. <laughs> little shrinky dig or whatever. So wait, are you, sorry, are you establishing now that Jeffrey Donovan, when he has too much oil in him, like, bloats to four times his size? I'm saying that <laughs> that is Jeffrey Donovan. Like, is it like pop? No, what I'm saying is that, dumber? like, Jeffrey Donovan is like, is like that Popeye? normally. And if you don't oil <laughs> Jeffrey Donovan regularly, he shrinks. Oh, I see. <laughs> Horrifying implications. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.